Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is September 10th, 2019. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both of McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode will be McFlugel.com slash 109 where you can find links to subscribe to us and all the podcast catchers as well as follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all those other places and to check out Liberty Mugs where we sell libertarian themed mugs. And if you sign up to our email list at mcflugel.com, we will send you a discount for your first libertymugs.com purchase. If the numbers for this episode seem off, that's because we released a bonus episode last week in the middle of the week. The first time we ever did it, but maybe we'll make that more of a regular thing. Uh, So if you're missing that, didn't hear that, go back, go check out episode 108. We had Car Campit on talking about something that the uh, he was talking about on their most recent episode of the Friends Against Government podcast. We had a fun little conversation. So I'm going to hand it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our episode. Thanks, Rallo. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Rallo and Slappy show. Hey, if you haven't done it already, go on to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get our podcast and rate us five stars. And if you have, do it again. Uh, vote early and often and with five stars. We'd appreciate it. Uh, that kind of, that stuff kind of helps us out. But uh, on our last bonus episode, our last bonus episode, our only bonus episode, um, we talked about the moon landing and we mentioned a guest that we were going to have on this episode, which uh, is not here. He is not here um, next week. Is that uh, we're, no, we're I think we're in? scheduled for the week after two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Okay. Unless something um, changes. Unless something changes, then we can have car camping on. Yes. <laughs> uh, so anyway, today's episode, we're going to talk about BISC, um, service to buy Bitcoin. Uh, decentralized. Rallo knows a heck of a lot more about it than I do. He has used it. And um, and on t- this isn't an advertisement for BISC. I don't even know that it's a company. It's like a decentralized platform, as I understand. But um more so the importance of getting away from custodial wallets. So, Rallo, do you want to kind of mention what BISC is, but maybe first explain what a custodial wallet is? Sure. Uh, any, when you hear the word custodial, and you'll probably hear it if you're in the Bitcoin space, is that it means that someone is holding uh, your Bitcoin on your behalf, or maybe more specifically has access to your private keys. And so that's an issue because you don't act, your ownership comes into question at that point. So, so I mean, whoever has the private keys has the Bitcoin, right? And and these businesses that are out there, these exchanges. I mean, this really usually just applies to exchanges where you're buying Bitcoin or mm-hmm. or maybe trading it for another altcoin. Um, but, it, but, I mean, these companies' reputations are on the line. So they're probably acting or at least attempting to act on the up and up. Or at least we can just assume – we can assume that sure. um, for the sake of discussion is that – because if they go and start, you know, stealing Bitcoin from people, I mean, the, the idea is that you send them Bitcoin. Um, you still want to have it in your control. You want to use it the way you want to do. You want to make your trades and everything and when you want to – uh, release it back t- to your own wallet where you have uh, sole control of it, you want to be able to do that. Um, so if if these exchanges started, you know, 
doing some monkey business and, and not letting you take your money out or just stealing it, taking it for themselves, or in the case of, of some other issues like Mt. Gox just collapses. Now, there, there, was, there was foul play there. No, uh, so it can happen, but but there's a lot of reasons that you 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 could lose your money, and and with Bitcoin, uh, transactions only go one way. So if someone steals your funds, they're gone. There's no there's no reversibility there. You can't appeal to anyone and say, hey, they took my money. They they need to send it back. The only thing you could do is was hope that you can get restitution somehow. Um, that someone would be compelled to send you Bitcoin. That was taken from you, but there's there's no nobody to go and and say, hey, this this transaction needs to be reversed to get the Bitcoin to the right owner because the right owner is the person with who has the keys. Now, could there be a possibility in these custodial wallets that it's almost like fractional reserves? Um, in the sense that, like, say you and I opened one, you and me opened one. Um, and we start collecting Bitcoin from people and keeping it in a wallet. And then when they want to withdraw, like we keep some of it. And when they want to withdraw it, we just send them whatever we have left. And eventually it blows up unless people just oh, forever oh, yeah, yeah. keep it in that wallet and ha- don't know any better. And we make a calculation and assume that some people are just going to leave it. Some people are going to forget their password, whatever, and we'll be okay with what we take. I mean, I don't want to accuse any of these places of that because I don't know. I, I, but I, would it be a possibility? Um, I, I guess it could be, but I don't think, as far as I know, I don't think any of them are doing it, but I I could be either. And I don't know. And I I know when you go to these places, you do have an address, a Bitcoin address, right? Where that money is sent. It's not sent to like a general box. Right. Right. So, I mean, you don't have the private keys, but it is attached to that address. So you could go on the ledger and see if other wallets are getting, or uh, that, that address is getting um, deposits or withdrawals that yeah, you're that, doing. Yeah, that, that it's behaving how you would expect it to. Right. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, that could be a possibility. I don't know that any one of them actually do that. I don't think any do. I think we would have heard about it. Right. And that would be kind of real. I mean, I don't think anyone would trust that. Right. That would end it immediately. Yeah. So I don't even know why I brought it up. I'm just thinking, you know. Oh, no, it's a good question because it's it's something that you, there certainly would be a temptation to do. I mean, that is how the current banking system is in in right. normie world. So uh, it's certainly something that someone would come around and be like, hey, well, how about we do this? If we, you know, we can expect that um, not everyone's going to... Uh, want their money back at the same time. So, Hey, we can maybe do a little, do a little better here. Um, it, it's fortunately with the, the nature of Bitcoin, I don't think many people at all, at least right now with where it's at, would have any sort of appetite for doing that because the culture right. is, um, the, the way the culture is with, with kind of sound money and, uh, you know, having a blockchain to, know exactly where everything is certainly agreed so yeah and these these um these exchanges are also have some centralization to them um just because it's like it's a company and so they manage their business and that's kind of the model 
um, good, bad, or indifferent. That's just the way it is. Uh, with BISC, however, it's both decentralized and non-custodial. And so what it is, it's just kind of a, it's, it's a, it's a way for people to, um, put up offers to buy and sell Bitcoin. Similar to the idea of, uh, the website that's been around for a while, localbitcoins.com, where that was a way, the really the first main way to, uh, to buy Bitcoin before these exchanges started popping up. You go to local Bitcoins, type in where you live, and people post offers to buy and sell Bitcoin. And you find someone, um, you go meet them, or you figure out however you want to exchange the funds uh, for the Bitcoin, and you make the trade. Mm -hmm. Very similar to Craigslist. Um, so it's the same kind of idea with BISC, is that it's just a... It's just basically a place to, to post offers to buy and sell Bitcoin. Um, but instead of being face-to-face -face or or, or uh, do it another way, um, they offer a... Their service they offer is that they uh, act as kind of the um, arbitrator in case something goes wrong. So you, you go there, I'm looking at the screen right now and it's, it's still kind of new, not too much traction on there, but there's offers, there's four offers to, to sell Bitcoin. So you could take the offer and, uh, people can set how they want to have their payment methods to them. You know, you can use like a, you can do face to face, there's cash deposit, there's money orders, you can use Zelle, uh, any number of ways. And so, uh, you do that. You, once you take the offer, I believe it notifies the other person that, hey, someone took your offer, and then you've got some time to actually send them the money in whatever way they mention it or in whatever way they uh, they request it. And when you do this, it uh, you have to have some, some... Let me take a step back. You also have to have some Bitcoin in reserve um, so that what happens, it, it kind of puts in... Helps put some skin in the game so you're not trying to, to scam scam people. Uh, and so when you do it, it locks both the Bitcoin you're trying to buy and your reserve Bitcoin in a multi-signature uh, transaction. Um, so that way, I, I don't know what it is if it's if you need the arbitrator. I don't know if it's actually I don't know at this point exactly. Um, I don't know if it's a two of two or a two of three. Now. Quickly, do you want to explain multi-sigs? Yeah, so a, a normal um, normal Bitcoin transaction is just you uh, each party the 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 per well this person sending the transaction signs you know with their private key through the software of course signs the transaction and it says yes that that's the way to say yes I'm authorizing this money to be sent uh, for this transaction to go through. When you have a multi-signature transaction, it requires several uh, parties to sign with their private keys. So it adds a layer of security, making sure that uh, both parties want to do it, or multiple parties. Right. It 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 would be good for businesses um, that if you've got you know, in order to make certain amount certain payments to people. Uh, or certain levels of payments. I know where I work. Um, I have a certain, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, I'm blanking on this on this term. 
of uh, how much money you're It's an oil refinery. Yeah. Um, but whatever. I, you know, let's pick a number for, you know, random. Let's say it's a tractor company and uh, one person has is authorized to spend $10,000. Um, anything more than that, he needs someone else to his manager sign off on to sign off on that thing. So for any transaction that would be greater than $10,000, it would be a multi-signature transaction. Um, so you have the guy who's making the transaction, then his manager also has to sign off on that, um, to authorize the, right. The transaction to go through through without both signatures. Yes. Uh, so something like a two of three or just more generally an X of Y, um, and we'll just use two of three as an example, that there's three different parties that could sign the transaction, but only two need needed to go through. Um, so I wish I should have, I thought about doing this, making sure I knew what kind of signature, how many uh, parties in design. I assume it's two of three, uh, because if there is an issue, that's when the arbitrator would go in and sign it and send the funds one way or the other to determine it. But, Fortunately, we did not need any arbitration once I sent him the money. Um, it sent him a notification to go check that he that the money got sent to his uh, where it was supposed to go. Once he did that, he went and went into BISC um, and clicked, yes, he got it. And that's what... Uh, Release the transaction. Yep, yeah. completely transaction. Sent the money to me. So if uh, there were any sort of disputes in this transaction, then they assign an arbitrator, who is someone who's heavily involved in the BISC project, to uh, to go in and look at all the evidence and make a decision uh, either way. And they're funded by uh, a small portion of these trades. Uh, a cut goes to to the arbitrator. Um, so, uh, all things considered, it was, it was, you know, between the transactions to get the, the Bitcoin transaction through and the, uh, the arbitration fees, it was not very expensive to do that. Um, I guess taking another step back to beginning is that in order to use BISC, it runs on the, uh, tour. So you go to bisc.network, which is their website, and you can download the the software and you just, you know, install the executable. And when you run it, you click it, open it, it loads everything up and you're routed through the Tor network to help obfuscate where you are and, and who you are and everything so that it creates some security there. So um, what this does... Or do you have any questions before we move on about why this is valuable? Um, did you mention how it is decentralized? Yeah, it was just kind of the the way that uh, local bitcoins is decentralized. Right. There's no, it's it's you're not you're not making the transaction through. There isn't someone holding it in a central right. location, and you're buying it from them. Right. The way that the um, there's a check to make sure that the the trade's going through well is that the way they construct the the transaction. Yeah, yeah. Not the way they structure the system. Whereas in a, in a centralized exchange, you go in and, and you want to, um, someone's offering to sell their Bitcoin for, you know, whatever. 
and you want to take that, then it goes through the exchange's hands. Right. Or it's already in their hands because you're loading it on their on their servers and and they've got access to the keys. So um yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so this is this is, you know, kind of an important thing because we we're mentioning before it you can assume that the uh that the centralized exchange has good intentions and that they're not going to try to steal your money and they're not gonna, you know, do anything else like that. But there's a there's a kind of a big security flaw there. And one of the issues is um is that a lot of these companies now they're getting they're trying to stay open. They're they're making a lot of money now. It's not just like this thing that's kind of silly libertarians are playing around with. Uh, it's it's pretty not the serious libertarians. Yeah, they? yeah. It's a pretty big business, so governments are now very interested in um, putting all. Yeah, their- what happened last year, or maybe it was two years ago. I, I can't remember, but the IRS came down with some decision, or the courts did something with Coinbase. To make them report. Well, yeah, they, they yeah they tried. They wanted Coinbase to send a, a list of all the people that have made transactions worth uh, greater above, than whatever number. Yeah, above some threshold. It was it was fairly large, but uh, Coinbase was fighting it, um, especially because a lot of people bought when it was really inexpensive mm-hmm. and probably were over that threshold. Right. So the problem with these exchanges is that they have a data. I mean, you sign up. Well, in the beginning, maybe you could sign up with not much information, but now you got to these any of these exchanges, and man, you got to verify who you are. You got a driver's license. And yeah, bank. I mean, if you're routing with your bank account. Yep. Um, so much information out there um, that is stored on their servers, which um, we can kind of trust that, or even if you assume that they're trustworthy and they're not going to do anything bad with it. That's not the issue. It's it's the same issue that we talked about uh, before with uh, with keeping Bitcoin decentralized and secure. Is that it's it's not these miners or whoever that you necessarily have to worry about. It's governments and other bad actors that are the concern. So if you think about this, like a Coinbase thing, which is where a lot of people have bought Bitcoin. Um, myself included, because, you know, when I was buying Bitcoin, I wasn't thinking about these issues until much later. Um, There's a huge, there's this database uh, that has names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, banking information, uh, maybe copies of driver's licenses, and it also says how much Bitcoin you bought with that. Uh, that is something that a hacker would absolutely love to get his hands on to sell in the black market. Um, because, you know, if you see a guy has bought a whole lot of Bitcoin and you can figure out, look who it is and see it's just like some, you know, like you said, people bought this stuff when it wasn't worth anything a lot of times. Or not worth anything, but but when it was still pretty cheap. 
And so, you know, they might have spent a good amount of money back when they when they originally bought it, but now it might be worth a small fortune. Or a large fortune. Or a large fortune. And you can, you know, I mean, you look it up and see if it's just, there's so much information there and, you know, with Facebook and LinkedIn and and everything else, the internet, it's, it's very easy to, to find people and to kind of validate who they are. Uh, so if someone wants to go and rob people, it's... <laughs> That list is worth a huge amount of money to people who aren't savory individuals, we'll say. Um, The other issue is that if the government just decides that we are going to take this information um, and we're going to do it whether this company wants to do it or not, I mean, that's that's also not good. Now the government knows what Bitcoin you have, and you could say, well, I... uh, you know, I, I traded it around between wallets. Maybe I, I used a, a coin like Monero to, uh, you know, make the trail uh, messed up or whatever that, that, you know, you anonymize the transactions. But if the government knows how much Bitcoin you bought and then you try to sell it back, they're going to say, well, this is what we calculate your gains to be and this is what you owe in taxes. Um one workaround on that quote from goodfellas what's that f you pay me yeah yeah Um, i don't care yeah i mean we can say all we want that we that um you know they might not be able to trace all the bitcoin where everything went between buying it and selling it or whatever even if you're not selling it if they decide they want to tax bitcoin purchases i mean they're just gonna they're they're not gonna care um, one workaround to at least uh, not having to pay taxes for uh, trading your Bitcoin for back into fiat is to actually never do that. <laughs> Just huddle it in the hopes that it becomes money and that will be what you use to eventually um, do your normal purchases and transacting in. Um, or, I mean, if you want a way to... to uh, if you really, I mean, I'm not going to fault anyone if they need the if they need to make their Bitcoin into USD for whatever reason. Um, if you absolutely need to do it and you want to do it, BISC offers you a pretty good alternative uh, because the government's not going to find out who you made this trade with. So instead of having a big database with a bunch of um, uh, with with all you know, very valuable database for the government to to go peek into. It's just one guy, kind of has your email address or whatever. Um, so it really, I mean, it's not perfect. You could, I guess, you could conceivably make a trade with an FBI agent or something. But uh, yes. it's probably you know they're probably not there because there's not. I mean, I'm looking right now the uh, the highest amount of Bitcoin someone's selling is an eighth of the Bitcoin. So. We're really not talking about uh, giant size right. transactions. Yeah. Yep. Which I mean, hopefully we'll start Maybe getting, someday, getting more. But, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it really uh, it it really helps your uh, your security there that you're not doing it through someone who's got this huge collection, which your information by itself might not be worth very much to a government or another nefarious actor, but. The aggregate of it makes it, uh, of everyone makes it very, very valuable. 
Um, so there's actually, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes page, but we mentioned his podcast a lot when we talk about Bitcoin, but J.W. Weatherman had the best guys on, on his show uh, talking about this stuff. And so uh, if you're interested and, and want to get a little more details, especially from the guys. Yeah, who, you said uh, created, Network. Yep. Yeah, we'll post a link to that episode in the show notes page. Um, I recommend it. There's a... Oh, and BISC is spelled B-I-S-Q, correct? Yes, yeah. Crumb's back up on the uh, on the desk, being annoying. That's why I was stumbling a little bit or slow with some of my words. Trying to make him not chew on the wires, which he's doing now. Come on. So, did you have anything else? Uh, because we could talk about, there's another service that I heard about. Sure, what, what else you got? There's a, on the Stefan Levara podcast recently, uh, you had the, I think he's the founder, or one of the guys working on a service called Azteco, which is- Is that similar to BISC? Uh, kind of, but not really. It's another decentralized, uh, non-custodial service where they set up these, uh, these kind of kiosks. And I guess it's similar to a- uh, a Bitcoin ATM, which I never really, I never actually saw one. I don't think never used Nearby. it. So I can't really comment on what, how they exactly work. But the way, uh, as Teco would work is that they have these kiosks that they set up and you don't actually buy Bitcoin directly from these kiosks. What you do is you buy a voucher that's got a code on it that you later go onto their website, punch in the code on the voucher and that will release the Bitcoin to you. Um, so what's nice about this is that these kiosks, you can you can punch in a credit card or a debit card or just cash. So it's a great way to uh, to anonymously buy Bitcoin. Right. There's you, you there you're not. I mean, if you use your credit card or your debit card, um, they say they and I I would have no reason to not believe them. Um, but they don't keep a, a database of anyone's information. Um, I don't know that they would have access to the credit card anyway. I assume they would. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know how it works either. But um, but the the better better thing to do would just to be use cash. Uh, so the only thing you would have to worry. I don't know. I have no idea. Do you know where th- these are? They don't have any out yet. Oh, but if you go on their website, I think they are they like funding for it. Or is- yeah, yeah, they're they're. I think they're working on their first couple. Okay. So I don't know where these are going to be, but uh, if there's any near you, I mean, it's not a bad deal. I would I would absolutely use it, and I mean, it's one of those things where if you probably not a good idea to just go and take twenty thousand dollars of twenties with you, put it in this machine, and get it just because. Uh, and tell everyone you're doing it. Right. But if you take that out of your bank account uh, all at once, you know you, you're going to get questioned on it. I actually think any transaction over, like any withdrawal over ten grand, gets like reported. Yeah, I had to uh, when I got my um, uh, air conditioner and heater replaced recently. Uh, I paid it in cash, and I had to withdraw um, a good amount of what I needed, and. Uh, I had and to, of course, that's the IRS's business to know yeah. why you want your money. Well, they the IRS didn't ask me, but when I I had to 
ask for an increase from my credit union of uh of what I can pull out of the ATM at one time and they had to ask what the uh, what it was for yeah i'm sure and i don't i can't name it specifically but there's probably some like rico law oh yeah there's i don't think there's any reason that they would have you know were asking for their own benefit or whatever right it was awkward to document while you're doing it yeah it was awkward because i you know it's try not to tell the world everything i do yeah and i was just like i'm paying for a service <laughs> really made it sound weird and uh yeah you could you have any sort of imagination you come up with all sorts of things to pay for like that but uh yeah i was just having my air conditioner replaced not that exciting compared to what other people make large cash transactions for but at the same time i don't think you know people the person from the the credit union I was talking to, she wasn't stupid. She knows that people are trying to not pay taxes. So, are they? I would assume. I would assume hmm. that people try to, you know, minimize their their tax liabilities. Which is another reason you should get into Bitcoin because just no one's uh that's not going to be taxed. So. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Have anything else to add for your not of points on Bitcoin? You want to get out as we continue our Bitcoin series? Uh, I don't know. Did you have anything? No. Okay. I'm I'm learning from you. (laughs) Okay. Ooh, dangerous. Yeah. Well, I'm learning as I go. So this this is it's it's interesting that you know I like we do these some of these Bitcoin episodes and I feel like they're like chunky. But uh, that's okay because um, yeah, give us feedback. Yeah, I'm, you know, especially if you disagree or want to challenge something, mm-hmm. we would like to hear it. Yeah, well, I know, you know, take Grum's uh, lead on that because he's clearly does not like us talking about Bitcoin because ever since we started doing that, he's been really annoying. Well, you brought up Tractor Coin. Do you want to go that direction? Yeah, well, we had a. I mentioned this on Twitter. There was a contentious hard fork, and now Tractor Coin Cash is the real Tractor Coin. Oh, yeah. So if you want, if you want your fields plowed fast, cheap, and reliably, uh, use Tractor, Tractor Coin cash. cash. Yep. Gotcha. Cool. Note taken. Good. Uh, so, do you have a free market free market success story? Um, would you have one planned? Yes. Okay, cool. I got my gutters this week, so I'm pretty pumped. Oh, nice. That finally happened. Yeah. Cause we had a ton of rain too today and I just watched it go down the drain, the uh, little downspout. It was beautiful. And not into your laundry room. Yes. <laughs> you know, most houses have walls built on them, so not keep, mine. Yeah. You're uh, wondering anyway, how you got, you were wondering how you got the house on the cheap so much. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, I was kind of sitting at work the other day, minding my own business, and I got a text from my cell phone carrier. And usually, when that happens, they're saying, "Hey, you've reached your uh, you're coming close to your data limit." And so I have an unlimited data plan, but that means uh, after two and a half gigabytes, and that slows down. Month, yeah, they they really throttle you to I guess. They knock you back to 3G. Um, 
which is funny because 3G not that long ago was like yeah yeah but that was like a rocket car back then now it's a horse now it's almost useless um but this was a little different they said hey we want to let you know that we are uh giving you a complimentary increase to your uh to your threshold up to 10 gigabytes per month. Not uh, bad. Yeah. Why? But why would they do that? That doesn't make sense. Don't they just want to get more money out? Shouldn't they have lowered the threshold? I think that they did. And I think that they're somehow charging me more money now. Nice. So no, what it is, is that, you know, we, uh, we talk about capitalism and everything and how the free market, the increases wealth. And now it's becoming easier to produce uh, the cell phone services. And so it's getting cheaper to do it and they can charge less uh, for the product. Uh, and they would charge less because they know it's a, it's a competitive enough market that someone else can kind of undercut their, what they offer or what their price is. So in order to keep business, especially because the service I use does not have a contract. Um, so I'm month to month, I can cancel and go someplace else whenever I want, um, at no additional cost. So they really have to keep their customers happy. And, uh, this is one of the ways they do it. Uh, and just try to figure out how much you can do for a dollar instead of how little you can do for that dollar and still get a dollar out of you. Yeah. And they're, and they're still, I mean, you know, they could like I said, it's, it's becoming the market's maturing. The industry is maturing. They're talking about 5g. Uh, so it's I a don't very mature topic. Yes. Let's just wait till we get to 6g. Uh, it's going to be, you know, super mature. No jokes allowed there. Yeah. Once we get the H's, forget about it. Oh, I know. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just that uh, things become cheaper, and that's a sign of a healthy economy is that you can get more uh, for the same amount of labor or money, uh, which is why when we see inflation happening with the U.S. dollar, that's a sign that something's not very good going on. Um, but this was nice to see that despite all of the uh, uh, regulations in the world and it, within this industry— um, cause you see, I mean, if you ever look at your cell phone bill, uh, a lot of it is in taxes and fees. Not uh -huh. really. So the fact that despite all of that, despite all the controls on the market and everything that are imposed there, there's still a lot of progress being made, but, uh, it just goes to show, just imagine how much progress we'd have without all the fetters of the state. So. It was nice. Was not expecting that, but it's it's helpful because I actually do uh, hit that limit uh, every month. Not every month. It's you know what it is. It's that um, if I don't remember to download podcast episodes that show up uh, when I'm on yeah, Wi-Fi, yeah, you stream them. And if I stream them, that just that just chews it up. Otherwise, I mean, I'm. That's funny. I got unlimited data on my plan, and so now I no longer download them. I just stream them all the time. Yeah. Uh, the the. Tragedy of the common slappy. You're the one that's clogging up the. Yeah, it's my fault. Yep, but that's another thing. I mean, there's so much Wi-Fi going on. You know, so much Wi-Fi available everywhere that, um, you know, who knows how long we're gonna 
those networks, what they're going to be like. Um, and Wi-Fi is becoming more and more just like a, or, or, I assume that at some point the internet's going to be uh, quote unquote free to use. Obviously someone needs to pay for it, but it will be packaged and yeah, yeah, it'll be packaged into something else. It'll be like part the of elevator the in the hotels. Right. The right. Pools, the gyms. So that, yeah. yeah. So that you won't even notice it as a cost too. It'll right. just, it can just be kind of an add on they can throw in, which is good. I mean, that's like a lot of things. If if just yeah, so great point. Good like a lot of things. Yes, good like a lot. Of, <laughs> I mean that that should probably be on a t shirt or something. <laughs> it's good like a lot of things. Maybe put it on a mug. If we had the ability to put things on mugs, maybe we we would do that. We would do that. Yeah, good like a lot of things. I think that we're going to make that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you got anything else to add? No. Nah, show notes for this is uh, mcflugel.com slash 109. Uh, we're on a bunch of podcast catchers like Stitcher and iTunes, Podbean, uh, also YouTube. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Check out the links on the show notes page, too. Uh, we'll put up the episode of uh, J.W. Weatherman, Talk to the Bisque Guys, as well as Stefan Lavaris podcast, Talking to the Azteco Guy. Um Check out Liberty Mugs. Uh, check out our friends' podcast. We got Man Raider, Free Man Beyond the Wall, Friends Against Government with Bird Arkist and Car Campit. Got Dino Files and Peaceful Treason podcast. Uh, yes, am I forgetting anything? No, just go and uh, rate us five stars. Yep, that would be nice of you, and share it too. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>